In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Our Bible study tonight from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 24, which is actually the last chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke. This chapter is uh, 53 verses, and we can divide them into five sections. The first section, the empty tomb. He is risen from verse 1 to verse 12. From 13 to 35, the road to Amwas. From 36 to 43, Jesus appears to his disciples on the day of resurrection. Then from verse 44 to 49, Jesus teaches his disciples. And the chapter ends from verse 50 to 53, the ascension to the heaven. We will actually study half of the chapter today, only the first half of the chapter. Uh, let's start from verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. The Lord was crucified on Friday. And after his burial on Friday, the tomb was sealed and guarded by Roman soldiers. And the tomb stayed sealed and guarded until the tomb was discovered by these women on the first day of the week, very early in the morning. First day of the week is Sunday. Sunday, and very early in the warm morning because the women observed the Sabbath. According to the law, they cannot do any activity on the Sabbath. So they rested completely on the Sabbath in obedience to the law. And they could not return to the tomb until the day break on the day after the Sabbath, which is Sunday. And because of their zeal and their eagerness, they went very, very early in the morning. St. Luke says, they and certain other women. Who are they? The women that he mentioned, they were standing at the cross on Friday. So these women who stood at the cross on Friday, in addition to certain other women, so all of them went out very early carrying the spices which they had prepared. The Lord was buried in a hurry on Friday because the sunset came and this was with the sunset is the beginning of the day according to the Jewish uh, custom. So this was the beginning of the Sabbath. That's why they couldn't 
put the spices and the perfumes according to the custom of the Jewish burial. That's why they waited on the Sabbath and very, very early took the spices that they had prepared to put it on the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe they have gone individually or in small groups in order not to, drag, to, to trigger the, 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 the guards who are guarding the, uh, the tomb. And when actually you compare the four evangelists about the events of the day of resurrection, there is no discrepancy in the different narratives of the Gospels. But all the four evangelists give an account of resurrection. Yes, there are some differences, but there are no contradictions. One described from a certain uh, angle, another from a certain angle. So all the four Gospels complement one another. There is no contradiction. Each Gospel probably shared the story with his audience in mind. So if I am sending to the Jews, I am mentioning things, the things about resurrection that's important to the Jews. But Luke, for example, he sent his gospel to Theophilus and to the Greek, to the Gentiles. So he had in mind this audience. So he wrote to them what is important for them. Verse 2, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. We know from the story of crucifixion that this stone was rolled by Joseph against the door of the tomb. And the Jews sealed the stone. They asked Pilate to seal the stone. So these women, on their way, they considered how they should get over this difficulty. Because this stone was very great. And as women, they, it is a challenge for them to move the stone from its place. Here in, in the Gospel of St. Luke, we know it was rolled away. How? We don't know. But Matthew, in his Gospel, chapter 28, verse 2, he said there was a great earthquake. Maybe God used this earthquake to roll the stone away from the door of the tomb. In the tradition, we, we know that Archangel Michael rolled the stone after the resurrection. So the descent of Archangel Michael was accompanied by this earthquake that moved the, the stone. And actually, what happened exactly at the moment of resurrection the actual event of the resurrection is nowhere described. 
But the evangelists, because they were not there, did not describe the a moment of resurrection. And also, they were not trying to make up a story. They were eyewitnesses. And they have to be very accurate. And whatever was inspired by the Holy Spirit, they recorded for us. So, they had nothing to say as to an act that no man had seen. This event, no man saw. So they did not write anything about this moment of resurrection. But the discovery of the resurrection was recorded in some detail by all of them, by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The discovery of resurrection, not the actual event of resurrection. Here, the women who intended actually to give the body of the Lord a more proper burial, discovered that the stone was rolled away from the tomb and that the body of Jesus was not inside the tomb. In Matthew, we know that there was a guard set around the tomb and the stone could not have been rolled away by the women because they were not strong enough to roll away this stone. Or by the disciples, even if the disciples were brave enough, they could not overcome, uh, they did not, sorry, they could not overcome the armed guards around the tomb. These guards were armed with weapons. How the disciples, these people who are, were fishermen and very simple people, how can they defeat these armed guards? No one else would have wanted to roll away the stone. It's not in the best interest of anyone else. Only these women who want to put the spices or the disciples, but not, nobody else was interested to roll away the stone. That's why Matthew tells us that it was an angel who rolled it away. And in the tradition of the church, it is Archangel Michael, as I told you, and maybe in the same moment, earthquake happened also. And I want to emphasize here, that the stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. Jesus rose and came out of the tomb while the stone was there and then the stone was rolled away to reveal the resurrection to the people. We know from the Gospel of St. John that the Lord Jesus Christ in his resurrection body could pass through material barriers. He entered the upper room while the doors were shut. So the stone was rolled away after resurrection so that others could see in and be persuaded that Jesus Christ was and is risen from the dead. St. John Chrysostom says 
the stone was rolled after the resurrection for the women's sake. So they believe the Lord has risen on witnessing the tomb without the body and hence witnessing the truth. End of the quote. Once the women saw the stone rolled away and the tomb empty, their immediate reaction was that they were greatly perplexed, as we read in verse 4. Now, and it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they, the two men, who were two angels, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. So, why they were greatly perplexed? Because they did not expect to find an empty tomb. They were wondering what happened to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether it was removed, but for, for what purpose and by whom? Was it a friend who removed the body or an enemy? They had no thought nor, nor expectation of resurrection. The idea of resurrection did not cross their mind. This shows that the resurrection account cannot be the result of a plan. For example, if it was a fake story planned by the disciples and the women, then why they were be greatly perplexed? They pretend that they saw the empty tomb, then immediately they would say, Jesus is risen. But the women and the disciples were not even expecting that it could happen, that resurrection could happen. In Luke chapter 2, we know that angels announced the birth of the Lord Jesus. <coughs> and here, we have angels announcing the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The announcement of his birth was made to few humble people, the shepherds. And the resurrection was announced to few simple women. The two angels asked them this question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? This was a wonderful logical question. You are not going to search for a living person in the tombs among the dead. So the angels asked them, why do you seek the living among the dead? And then they reminded them with the words of the Lord. Remember 
how he spoke to you he was still when he was still in Galilee how remarkable it is to hear angels quoting a whole sentence of the Lord Jesus Christ to the disciples mentioning also the location where the Lord spoke these words to the disciples and wondering if these words are still fresh in their memories. Remember how he spoke to you. So here the angels gently reproached the women. How they could expect to see the living in the tomb among the dead. For he has overcome death. And he told them beforehand that he will rise on the third day. This was declared to the women and the disciples ahead of time concerning his resurrection. At that moment, they remembered the Savior's words as we read in verse 8, and they remembered his words. Verse 9, Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was, who were the women? Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them, to the apostles, like idle tales, idle tales, and they did not believe them. The angels said to the women, he is not here, he is risen. These words were repeated in each of the angelic communications at the tomb. Every time the angels appeared to anybody at the tomb, they told him, told them the same words. He is not here, but he is risen. And they reminded them with the words of the Lord, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day rise again. To the women it must have seemed like a long time ago that Jesus said these words. Because the two days of, of trial and crucifixion were very, very long for them. Because of the suffering and the anguish and the pain. So these words, although they were mentioned maybe a few weeks ago, but for the women, as if these words were told to them a long time ago. Nevertheless, they needed to remember these words and the angels reminded them of what Jesus said. And the word, the Son of Man must rise, must be delivered. These words declare that all these things must happen. It is in the economy of God. It was not surprise to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the economy of God. He came for this hour. So must is a critical word here. 
as just as much as his cross, the empty tomb and his resurrection is a must also. So they remembered his words. The word of resurrection from the dead means. Maybe they thought about the last day in the end of the world. But now they had their memories refreshed by the angels and their understanding opened by the Holy Spirit. The women who saw the evidence of the resurrected Christ when they saw the empty tomb and remembered his words <coughs> were excited about what seemed to be the most wonderful news possible. Definitely this news that Jesus is risen is the most wonderful news. They had hoped for and more. He is the true Messiah. That's why there is no need to stay at the tomb. They returned from the tomb. They run. They fled from the tomb in a great haste as they were frightened and amazed with fear and reverence because of the vision they saw the angels and with joy at what they heard. When the women were ahead of the apostles in going to the Lord's tomb, they were thus blessed by preaching of the Lord's resurrection among the apostles. Women went before the disciples to the tomb. That's why they were blessed and entrusted to be the first people preaching the resurrection of the Lord even to the apostles themselves. Sincere of Alexandria says, the woman who was once to serve death, referring to Eve, now is the first to receive the mystery of the awesome resurrection, the women at the tomb, and was the first to be informed of it. In this way, the woman has obtained salvation from shame and the curse. As through the fall of Eve, you know, there was shame and curse to all humanity initiated by Eve and then by Adam. But now, because the women were the first one who knew about the resurrection, they have obtained salvation from shame and curse. And these women, as St. Luke mentioned, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James. These were the women mentioned in, in the first verse in this chapter as those who discovered the empty tomb. But he said, and other women, these three are mentioned specifically then an, an, an unnamed group of other women mentioned. They were given the privilege of being first to tell others of the risen Jesus. The only reference to Mary Magdalene in the Gospels as a witness of the crucifixion were in Mark 15, Luke 24, and John 19. So Mary Magdalene, in three Gospels, her name was mentioned as a witness for the resurrection and crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. Also, 
سوري ماري ماجدالين از ا ويتنس اوف كروسيفيكشن منشنت ان ثري جاسبرز مارك لوك اند جون بات از ا ويتنس اوف ذا ريزوركشن منشنت ان ذا فور جاسبرز اند لوك اند مارك منشنت ذات ذا لورد كاست اوت اوف ماري ماجدالين سيفن ديمونز سو ذاتس وات We read about Mary Magdalene in the four Gospels. Who is Joanna? Joanna was mentioned in Luke chapter 8 as one of the women who accompanied the Lord Jesus Christ in his ministry and provided for his needs from her own money. She is also noted in Luke chapter 8 as the wife of Chusa. Chusa who helped manage Herod's affair as a steward. Herod was the governor of Galilee. She was likely a woman of privilege and wealth. Despite their excitement, the testimony of the women was not believed by the apostles. When they heard their words, they perceived as idle tales. In fact, to the apostles, it seemed as if the women told idle tales. The disciples had no thought nor expectation of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They did not know that he was to rise again, according to the scriptures. Nor did they understand him when he told them of his rising again. and had no faith in it, nor hope concerning it, and therefore the women's word seemed to them like idle tales. Verse 12, But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Luke and John report to us that Peter ran to investigate the tomb. But John includes the information that the other disciple, he was referring to himself, John, son of Zebedee, uh, when he looked at the empty tomb, he believed. Also, John ran to the tomb and discovered the empty tomb uh, except for the burial clothes. So, the tomb was empty except for the burial clothes. It is a significant account that both Luke and John mentioned to us about the burial clothes. They saw the burial clothes of the Lord lying in perfect order, as if the body just passed out of them. Which means, if thieves or robbers had disturbed the tomb, they would not have left the burial clothes in perfect order. 
they just snatched the body with the clothes and ran away. That's why when John, the beloved, saw that, he believed in the resurrection of the Lord. And Peter marveled at the resurrection of the Lord. They had not seen the risen Jesus yet, but they knew that something powerful had happened to cause a body to leave behind the grave clothes in such manner, in order, perfectly in order. Peter analyzed the situation. He knew something spectacular had happened because of the condition of the burial clothes. But maybe he forgot the words of the Lord about his resurrection. Maybe he did not understand and he did not believe yet in the resurrection of the Lord because the Bible told, told us Peter was marveled, but about John, John believed. So the absolute surprise of the disciples at the resurrection, which in their Gospels they truthfully acknowledge, is not small side proof of the genuineness of these records of the events. So here the four evangelists recorded to us how they were surprised. And this surprise actually told us that the record of these events were written in a genuine way. The, the news of resurrection was not fabricated. One can know that Jesus rose from the dead, but unless one knows his words, it will not make sense. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 13. Now behold, two of them, two of the disciples, were traveling that same day, the Sunday of resurrection, to a village called Amwas, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Jesus appeared and started walking with them. But their eyes were restrained so, so that they did not know him. This story about these two disciples going to Amwas was not mentioned in other gospel except Luke. Because who were the two disciples? One of them named Kiliopas. Kiliopas uh, is abbreviation of Kiliopatros. Kiliopatros means the perfect glory. The perfect glory. As for the second, some scholars think he must be St. Luke himself, but he omitted his name because he is the author of the gospel, so out of humility he did not mention his name. The scholar Origen and St. Cyril the Great 
think that the second person is not Luke, but Simon from among the 70 apostles. And this Simon is different from Simon Peter and Simon the Cyrene. So the two disciples were among the 70 apostles, not from the 12. They were going on the same day, the Resurrection Sunday, and the evangelist specifies the historical time of this encounter. He told us the time and the place. It's the same day, and they were going to Amwes, seven miles from Jerusalem. It was situated, Amwes, east, south, east from it. So southeast from Jerusalem. They knew of the events of the early morning of the resurrection. They heard about the news, but they did not believe it. And as they talked, they spoke of the things that were biggest on their hearts, which are the things regarding the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus. That, that their conversation. They reasoned doubtless about the probability or improbability of Jesus with the Messiah. So they were talking to each other. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? But if he's the Messiah, why he died? We know that the Messiah will not die. Why he did not restore the kingdom of David, etc. Also, maybe they were talking about what they heard about the empty tomb and the possibility of resurrection and about the truth and credibility of the women report, whether these reports were true and genuine or false and fake. So their minds were anxious about the state of things and they tried to arrive to the truth. What is the truth? In this state of things, Jesus came to solve their doubts and to establish them in the faith that he is the Messiah, he is the Christ, he is risen. And in Matthew there is a promise from the Lord, if two or three gather together in my name, I will be in their midst. And here we have two. Speaking about Jesus and what happened to him, then Jesus became in their midst. So this promise is fulfilled literally in this event. But for a time, they were in a miraculous way restrained from knowing that he was Jesus maybe to protect them from the shock. You know, if somebody is dead and all of a sudden you find him walking with you, it's, it's a shocking event. Uh, that's why Mary Magdalene did not recognize him at the first moment when she saw him at the tomb. She thought he is the gardener. Also, 
on the lake of Gennesaret, when the Lord appeared to some of the disciples, they did not recognize him at the beginning. But also, another explanation uh, that why all these in these events they did not recognize the Lord because the resurrection body of, of the Lord was a, was a glorified body of which the condition transcended those of ordinary mortality. So in resurrection, all of us, when we'll be raised, we were raised by the same body, but its nature will change and its shape will change, although it is the same body. And St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 explained, he said this body like the seed and the glorified body like the fruit. The fruit actually is taken completely from the seed. But the shape of the fruit is different from how the seed looks like. Also, maybe the Lord restrained uh, himself from them due to their weak faith and slow spiritual understanding. Or maybe the, the Lord wanted to reveal to them his divine mysteries and the prophecy fulfilled in him. As we're going to read now, he explained from Moses and all the prophets, all the prophecies pertaining to him. So these two on their walk to Amwas and Mary Magdalene in the garden were preoccupied with their sorrow. All their hope are gone. Jesus is dead. So they were sorrowful. Uh, and also the disciples on the lake were preoccupied with their work. They were casting their nets to catch fish. Maybe that's also another reason the vision of the divine was obscured. When I am preoccupied, I cannot see the Lord. So I'm pre whether preoccupied by his work like the disciples at the lake, or by sorrow like Mary Magdalene and the two disciples of Amoas, that's why they were not able to see him. Uh, verse 17, And he said to them, so the Lord started to dialogue with them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad, so they were sorrowful. Then the one whose name was Kiliopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? Everybody in Jerusalem was talking about Jesus. So he was surprised. Are you the only stranger? You didn't hear anything about what happened Friday, Saturday, and today? So Jesus, and he said to them, what things? So he said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, 
and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, today, the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company, of our group, who arrived at the tomb early, astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us, like Peter and John, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him, Jesus, they did not see. So they give him a, a whole summary of what happened in these three days. So we notice in these verses that Jesus opened the conversation by asking them what they had talked about. It was evident in their facial expression and perhaps even in their manner of walking that they were sad. The thing which had lately happened in Jerusalem were so many, many things happened. And these things are not natural news. It is unusual news that the disciples wondered that anyone coming from Jerusalem should ask what things. They therefore asked him if he was a mere stranger in Jerusalem coming from some other country or from some other remoter part of Judea or Galilee, or if he was the only man who had been unconcerned in what was the common conversation, both of the town and the whole country. Still appearing as if he was not aware of the events, encouraging them to talk more and to reveal their hearts, Jesus asked them, what things? Even though he knew their hearts, there was value in them saying these things to Jesus. He wanted them to open their hearts. So they began telling him what they know about Jesus. They called him Jesus of Nazareth. They knew his name and where he was from and how they described him a prophet a prophet mighty indeed and word one who did not only in an extraordinary manner reveal the will of God unto men but also he did many great and mighty works prophet usually carry message from God but Jesus did not only carry message from God in their mind, in their perception, but he performed many wonders and mighty works. He was powerful in working miracles, in raising dead, healing the sick. And he was not only highly favored of God, but in great reputation and opinion also among the people. People honored him. 
the words indicate the precise stage of faith which the two disciples had reached. They believed in Jesus as a prophet. They hoped that he would redeem Israel. But they were not risen to believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God, the incarnated Son of God. And now even their faith is shaken because for them he did not redeem Israel. So the whole narrative suggests that our Lord was choosing this exceptional method of dealing with them as a step in spiritual learning which was to lead them on to a higher truth. So by revealing their hearts, confessing their faith, then God can start from here and build on it until they reach a higher truth that Jesus is God, is the Messiah, he is risen. They told him, we were hoping. We, on the other hand, as opposed to the ungodly priests and rulers, we were hoping, but our hope now is dead. So, now we are disappointed. We have disappointed hope. But in reality, their hope was not truly disappointed. But their hope was misguided. That it was he who was going to redeem Israel in a physical way, in earthly way, to establish earthly kingdom of Israel. Now Jesus would show, the, show them that their true hope was fulfilled in him and his resurrection. He is our king and he redeemed us not from earthly the Roman Empire, but he redeemed us from Satan and this uh, and, and his ruling over us, ruling of Satan. They told him, and today is the third day. The expression seems to imply if there had been any hope, it would have been confirmed before now. First day, second day, third day, nothing happened. So our, our hope is gone, is dead. And they continued sharing the testimony of others, but they were slow to believe. What is the testimony of others? The report of the women about the empty tomb. But this report meant little to them. And part of the women's story, the body is gone. The body is gone is accepted as a fact. Maybe it was stolen. However, their explanation of the fact is regarded as doubtful. Why he is gone? He did not, they did not say because he risen. They, they, they said to the Lord about the women, the women came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. You can hear doubts in their words. Then they told him that 
Others went to the tomb about Peter and John who had seen the burial clothes. But again, for them, it meant little. And and it's clear when they said, but him, Jesus, they did not see. If he is alive, why they couldn't see him? So Jesus wanted to know from them what he wants to know from us today. Can we believe without seeing with our own eyes? Can we believe? As the Lord said, it's more blessed to see without seeing. Blessed are those who believe without seeing, as he said to Thomas. Verse 25, Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So the Lord told them the problem with their faith is more their hearts, not their head. It was not their head, but their hearts. That's why he told them, O you, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe. Slow of heart to believe. Maybe the words of reproof here may sound strong to us, but we must remember that our Lord had already given them the true interpretation of the prophecies on the Messiah many times. can read them in Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter, um, Mark chapter 14. That's why he reproached them for not seeing what he had himself so clearly predicted and what had been foretold by the prophets. If they read the prophets, they would believe in the resurrection. However, the word used in the original does not imply as much reproach as the word fool does among us in the English language. In the Greek language, the word is kinder than the word foolish that we hear it in in the English language. So, O foolish, not in natural sense, as if they lack intelligence, nor in moral sense, as if they are wicked men, nor in a way of anger or contempt to provoke them. The Lord was not angry. Christ will not act contrary to his own teaching. But it was an expression meaning merely that they were thoughtless and that they did not properly attend to the evidence that he must die and rise again. The evidence of the prophet and also what he predicted about himself several times. As if he's telling them, you had no understanding of scripture. That's why you are so blind 
to the knowledge of the scripture, particularly those concerning the suffering and the resurrection of the Messiah. Therefore, he expressed himself with much warmth, concern, and surprise that he have been with them for so long and under his teaching. So as if he is telling them, you are slow of heart to believe. I stayed with you three years. I was teaching you why you are slow to believe. You did not believe the women who reported to you what the angel said. Not, you did not believe Peter and John when they told you about the burial cloth. Uh, and actually, Mary Magdalene saw the Lord and most probably she told them, I have seen the Lord as we read in the Gospel of St. John. So the significant point that should not be missed in Jesus' statement concerning belief about him, concerning the prophets are, what are the most important point? Belief in Jesus and in his mission is connected to a proper understanding of scripture. So that's the first important point. If we understand the scripture correctly, then it will be easy for us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his mission. Second point, all the prophets have spoken imply that all of the scripture bears a prophetic and a messianic significance. All the scripture bear prophetic and messianic uh, significance. Jesus' question demands an affirmative answer and refers to God's divine plan for man's salvation, especially in terms of the suffering servant described in Isaiah 52 and 53. This question when he told them, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? So this question, when he asked them this question, he want affirmative, affirm, affirmative answer to say yes, yes, he ought to suffer and to enter into his glory. Yes, Isaiah said this in chapter 53 and 50, uh, 52. So he led them to see that Christ must suffer before he could be a victorious Messiah. So suffering first, victory after this. The suffering was necessary condition for the glory to be followed. Then Jesus led them to see the true meaning of the prophets, whose burning words they had so often read and heard without grasping their real deep signification. So definitely these two disciples read the prophets several times, but they did not grasp the deep meaning of these prophets. That's why the Lord started to explain to them and interpret to them all these prophets and what the prophets said about the Messiah.
And I like what he mentioned here. He started beginning in Moses and all the prophets. He told them all about the Messiah. Pope Shenouda used to comment about this verse and said, we hope, we, we, we wish that the two disciples recorded to us what the Lord explained to them about himself in Moses and all the, the prophets. But unfortunately, we did not have any record about what he, he told them. But we expect, beginning in Moses, so he mentioned the promise to Eve that the offspring of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. The promise to Abraham in your seed, all generations will be blessed. The Passover lamb, the scapegoat on uh, Leviticus chapter 16, the atonement day, the brazen serpent and how it represents the cross, the greater prophet, when Moses said, a prophet from among you will be raised, the star and the scepter shall rise, uh, the prophecy of Bil'am in Numbers chapter 24, the rock, like in Numbers chapter 20, uh, from which the water came. So many, many things in the five books of Moses. And in the prophets, like Emmanuel born of a virgin in Isaiah chapter 7, unto us a child is born, unto us a child is given, a son is given, Isaiah chapter 9, the good shepherd in Isaiah chapter 40, the meek sufferer in Isaiah chapter 1, he who bore our griefs, Isaiah 53, the branch of Jeremiah, uh, uh, the, sorry, the branch, Jeremiah 23, the heir of David, Ezekiel chapter 34, the ruler from Bethlehem, Micah chapter 5, the lowly king, Zechariah chapter 9, the pierced sufferer, Zechariah chapter 12, the struck shepherd, Zechariah 13, the messenger of the covenant, Malachi chapter 3, the son of righteousness, Malachi chapter 4, and many, many other prophecies. So he gives them a lecture from Moses and all the prophets, explained all the prophets and symbols pertaining to the, pertaining to the Messiah. So we will stop at verse uh, 27 from the Gospel of St. Luke. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.